Hi, I'm Paul Jay. Welcome to the analysis.news. In a few seconds, I'll be joined by Mikey Weinstein, who's going to talk about the role of religious extremism in the U.S. military and the lead up to the events of the storming of Capitol Hill on January 6th. Please don't forget the donate button, subscribe, share, email list, all the buttons. In the recent book, I Alone Can Fix It, by Washington Post journalists Carol Leaning and Philip Rucker, they report that prior to January 6, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Milley, thought a Trump coup was in progress and feared a Reichstag moment. That's when Hitler burnt down the Reichstag as a rationale or justification for martial law. He thought this might happen on January 6, where the protesters would be used as an excuse to invoke the Insurrection Act and use the military to declare martial law and stop the confirmation of Joe Biden as president. I've reported on many other sources that shared the same concern, so I won't go over all that again here. But in the media coverage of the events leading up to, and including the storming of Capitol Hill, while there's been quite a bit of talk about the far right, white supremacists and Nazis, even by leading active and retired military at the highest levels, there's not been much focus on the extent this growing movement is made up of followers of Christian religious extremists, many of whom are openly for dropping the separation of church and state and making the military an army for their version of Christ. In an interview I did with Joe Wilson in 2019, in fact, it would be the last interview he did before he died, I spoke to Ambassador Wilson, who was the man who exposed the Niger uranium fraud that Bush Cheney tried to use to justify the Iraq war. In the interview, I asked about the rise of religious extremism in the U.S. military. And then I, here's the quote from Wilson. For the evangelicals, um, uh, not only is it, is it a way for them to get back to the plains of Armageddon for the last great battle of the apocalypse, but they've managed to use this as a way to infiltrate the highest ranks of the military and to try and convert the military from an organization that defends the national security of the Constitution or the, of the country consistent with the Constitution. And they've tried to turn this into a military force fighting for their vision of Jesus Christ. Um, and I, um, and they, have, they have penetrated the chaplaincy corps in ways that are absolutely disgusting, uh, where the chaplains um, used, to, their responsibility was always to minister to the needs of the soldiers and their families in times of, of need, either in the hospital grieving or whatever, not to impose their, their uh, view of what the right religion should be. And now these guys are, are um, all they do is not minister, they proselytize. How successful have they been in infiltrating the military? Way too successful. We fight that fight every day. And you're saying at the highest levels? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. We've, we're in the middle of a fight with a brigadier general now who runs a command. And, and, and it's, all about, uh, it's all about Jesus. It's all about his vision of Jesus. And we're, uh, we're, I think we're in the middle of a legal fight with him right now. Some sort of fight. Who's we? The Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Um, You're I, on the board. I sit on the board with, among others, uh, Larry Wilkerson. And uh, it's run by a guy by the name of Mikey Weinstein, who, um, who is Jewish. 
and who has suffered every possible indignity you could imagine from these uh, evangelical nuts, including having dead rabbits thrown onto his property, having swastika signs painted on his wall. Yeah, it's, um, they're nasty. They're a nasty crowd. Now joining us is Mikey Weinstein. He's the founder and president of the seven-time Nobel Peace Prize-nominated Military Religious Freedom Foundation, the MRFF. Mikey was named one of the 100 most influential people in U.S. defense by Defense News, which is a major publication read by just about everybody in the quote-unquote defense industry. Mikey represents nearly 75,000 active retired reserve service members. He himself is a honor graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and formerly worked in and for the West Wing as a legal counsel in the Reagan White House. Thanks very much for joining us, Mikey. Thank you, Paul. It's an honor to be here. Very much. So before we get into the, the substance of what this movement is that's you know, January 6th is one of the more visible signs, of, but it's, it certainly goes beyond that. Uh, tell us more about the MRFF, uh, you know, what it does, why it came into being, and then, and, and, and then we'll get into what you think about Joe Wilson's warning. I'm happy to do that. I mean, Joe is a dear friend and brother, is one of the uh, longtime uh, board members and, and advisory board members with us. Um, I have to thank Mel Gibson for this, believe it or not. When he came out with his amazing movie, if you want to call it that, The Passion of the Christ on February 4th, 2004, or as we call it here at MRFF, The Jesus Chainsaw Massacre or Freddy versus Jesus. I had children at the Air Force Academy at that time, uh, which is my alma mater as well. Um, and um, I was stunned to find out that the incredible pressure being put on the cadets, faculty and staff by both the cadet leadership and officer leadership there to go see this movie. Um, and um, uh, you know, you're dealing with cognitive dissonance. I loved the Academy. It was a transcendent experience for me. It wasn't easy, uh, but I, I thought something had, something was wrong here. I looked at the movie. The movie was unbelievably anti-Semitic. And, uh, you know, Gibson, whatever you think about him, I don't think a lot about him personally, but his movies are very, very um, violent. And they, you know, they, they have a lot of uh, passion with them. Apocalypto, Braveheart, I could go on and on. And uh, I went to go see this movie. I mean, halfway through, I stood up. I was going to say, stop beating the poor guy, meaning Jesus. I'll convert. It was, it was like a snuff film. <laughs> uh, and um, that was the first sign for me. When I began to, I reached out to my own children. And I realized that um, they had been told through their cadet careers. I had one that was a freshman or a dually, a fourth classman. Another one who was a senior, a first classman, engaged to another senior. He married his classmate, Amanda, my son, Casey. My young, younger son was Curtis. Um, they had experienced incredible anti-Semitism at the academy, as I did in 1973 when I was a freshman or a fourth classman or a dually. Um, being, they were being accused by their cadet chain of command, and in some cases officer chain of command, of total complicity in the execution of Jesus Christ. Um, they had been called um, all of the names you might imagine for Jews, the K-word, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I looked at this uh, huge push, and uh, we've, we've written quite a bit about this. It's been in movies the push to get cadets to go see this movie. And uh, I realized something was wrong here. And it wasn't, you know, Houston, we have a, you know, problem, issue, or challenge. This was a national security threat. It was like pulling on a thread of a sweater. Long story short, um, um, that's when this fight began. We reached out to some of the usual civil rights organizations, uh, the ACLU, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, the ADL. They're all good organizations, but they didn't understand the peculiarly um, adversarial, communal, ritualistic, and tribal nature of the military. 
22 months later, on December 15th, 2005, after fighting all the way through, my wife and I decided we needed, we needed to fill uh, not just a niche, but an open void, a chasm, uh, and create something that would fight to, pres to preserve the separation of church and state, temporal and spiritual, you know, in technologically the most lethal organization, Paul, our species, Homo sapiens, has ever created, which is the U.S. military where all the nuclear weapons are, the drones, the conventional weapons, the laser-guided weapons, what we saw was out-of-control fundamentalist Christian nationalism, not just with the chaplains, as my dear uh, late friend and brother, Joe Wilson, said, as he knew this very well, but certainly in the command structure. And I, I use the example of, uh, to your readers that are old enough, or if not old enough, knowledgeable enough to realize that the most famous speech ever given by um, uh, President Eisenhower was his farewell speech, where he warned Paul um, the world and America about what? Do you remember? Well, of course, the military-industrial complex. Uh, actually, originally, it, apparently, the speech was the military-industrial-congressional complex, and someone talked them out of the, the word congressional. Yes, you're very sagacious to know that. So uh, we tell people here what we fight at MRFF, the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, is nothing less than a fundamentalist Christian nationalist, parachurch, military, corporate, congressional, proselytizing complex. It is enormous, and um, it is. Uh, we just came out with a story the other day. Uh, it might have been yesterday. I forget about um, the parachurch organizations. There are about three dozen of them: uh, Campus Crusade for Christ Military Ministries, Cadence International, the Navigators, the Officers Christian Fellowship, the Christian Military Fellowship. I could go on and on and on. That um, again are so inextricably intertwined into the very DNA of the Pentagon. We we call it the Pentecostal Gun. Uh, that it's all about something called the Great Commission. For those of you that are not biblical scholars, that's one of the last things Jesus is supposed to have said to his disciples. You can see it in Mark 16, 15, or Matthew 28, 19. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Get them into the religious faith. Whether you believe Jesus exists or not, whatever, this is this is called the Great Commission. And um, the zeal to, uh, to uh, 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 force people into the military using the uniquely... Uh, one-sided relationship of a military superior to a subordinate, think Jerry Sandusky at Penn State and the little nine-year-old in the shower. You can't fight back if you're being even gently evangelized or proselytized by your military superior, Paul. You know, get the hell or the F out of my face, sir or ma'am, is not, 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 not an option for you. So they come to us and we are very militant and aggressive, legally, ethically, and morally, to fight back. And that they, as young soldiers being proselytized, who object but can't speak out. Soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen, Coast Guardsmen, guardians for the Space Force, DOD contractors, DOD civilian personnel. My daughter is a works for the U.S. Army Rangers as an as a uh, Army civilian, um, and we see it there. We see it even among ROTC, OTS, and um, of course military academy cadets and midshipmen, even down to the high school junior ROTC level. The incredible drive to use the military as a force multiplier to create a cudgel, to bludgeon people into submission to accept this view of this, this version of Christ. Now, before people start thinking that, well, there goes Mikey again, eating Christians for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and for snacks in between, you know, we have nearly 75,000 clients now. In, in, in a few weeks, we'll be at 75,000. About 95% of them are practitioners of the Christian faith. Three-fourths are Protestant of that 95%, Paul, about one-fourth are Roman Catholic. Of course, we have hundreds of Jewish personnel, Hindu, Muslim. We represent a little more than 18% of all Muslims in the military that we know of. Uh, of course, atheists, agnostics, secularists, humanists. Um, we, we have 12 members of the Jedi Church right out of Star Wars. We don't care what it is. All we care about is the time, place, and manner 
in which a member of the military, Paul, feels that they have the right to deploy their faith. Because as I said before, your military superior is not your shift manager at Starbucks or Taco Bell. It is a very different dynamic. You know, uh, in the military, um, um, insubordination, you can go to jail, it's a felony. In the military, having sexual intercourse with someone other than your spouse, Paul, adul adultery is a felony. And why is that? Because our U.S. Supreme Court decreed in 1974 in a case versus Parker versus Levy that the compelling governmental interest in our military is to make it as lethal as possible, which means we have to maximize good order, morale, discipline, and unit cohesion. Think what adultery does to that. But at the same time, what does elevating the status of a white person, a, a straight person, as opposed to a gay person or trans person or anything else, or, uh, or, or, or denigrating a Jewish person or a, a woman, what, you know, I mean, how does that help unit cohesion? It doesn't. We started this fight when George W. Bush was president, and it was terrible. We were very encouraged when Obama took over. It was still terrible. With Trump, it went out of control. And I'm very sad to say that in these first few months, I'm glad that Biden, Biden and Lloyd Austin as the, are the DOD secretaries. We're not seeing any help here. We're not seeing any let up of this right now. That's why I wrote an open letter to the Air Force Academy and came out with, a, with an article, uh, I think in April, uh, talking about, uh, I, I think I quoted Ayn Rand. I'm not a big fan of hers, but she said, you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. You as a journalist and your outlet are very, I mean, I think you're dedicated to making people understand you cannot ignore the consequences of reality. That's why I'm so enjoy. I'm, I'm so delighted to be here today. So uh, in, the, in my introduction, I quoted from the uh, Washington Post uh, journalist book, uh, Milley apparently said to some of his staff that he feared a Reichstag moment, that the January 6th events would be used uh, as a cause for the Insurrection Act. Um, and they were taking very seriously that there was a faction within the armed forces and that Miller, the acting secretary of defense appointed by Trump, uh, that, that it was a serious enough faction that they were really worried that I guess there would be some kind of split in the armed forces because clearly Milley and some of the other uh, uh, top generals were opposed to any intervention by the army, but they, they apparently seriously feared that at some levels of the armed forces and because Trump had appointed Miller as the acting secretary of defense. Um, and, you know, you start getting serious people concerned that there's a coup in progress. Uh, you have these 10 former secretaries of defense come out with their letter in the Washington Post. You, Admiral Stavridis, the former Supreme Commander of NATO in Time magazine, supports the letter of the 10 former secretaries. The Financial Times in the, on January 4th or 5th in an editorial actually says a coup is in progress. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, uh, Stavridis in Time magazine in another piece talks about the infiltration of the armed forces by the far right. And he talks about Nazis. He talks about white supremacists but he doesn't talk about religious extremism. And nobody seems to want to talk about what is the elephant in the room, because I actually don't believe that the Nazis and the Proud Boys in the armed forces, while they may be there, that isn't where the real threat's coming from. It's from what you, know, what you and, what, and what Wilson are talking about. Let me give you a, a statistic. I'm, I'm, off, I'm going to be off by a, a few little numbers, but Hitler only had 7.9% actually of the German public populace in his National Socialist Movement. Stalin had something like 2.8%. With our analysis, 
We believe that the, that the number of Christian nationalists, fundamentalist Christian nationalists, or what are known as dominionists, you can Google Christian dominionism, in the military is somewhere between 28 to 34%. It's not just that shocking. I don't know if you've ever been in the military, Paul, but remember the military, when you graduate from uh, officer training school, officer candidate school, or a military academy, and get commissioned as a second lieutenant, the lowest ranking officer, on that day, you already outrank 90% of the military because most of the military are enlisted folks. You know, I gave a speech not that long ago at Harvard, it was pre-COVID, where I asked for a show of hands for the number of people that understood the difference between a general and a sergeant. They, people in, the, in America do not understand anymore how the military works. And so if you're just a brand new shave tail, 21 or 22 year old second lieutenant, you outrank 99, 90% of the military right then and there. Uh, so people do not want to touch Jesus. They, uh, we, 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 had, we hired a very expensive lobbyist years ago here. To, to her credit, after a year of paying her a lot of money, she said, Mikey, you got to fire me. Uh, they won't touch it either side of the aisle. They're afraid of losing, you know, fundamentalist Christian money and votes. They will not touch it. Uh, we've given up. I mean, there's an old saying that under Republicans, uh, man exploits man. But under Democrats, it's just the opposite. <laughs> so my point is, and I, I'm trying to make it gender, it could be women exploit women, et cetera. We realized we had to do this alone. We have some good allies at places like Americans United and sometimes at the ACLU and certainly the Jewish war veterans of the United States of America. But we built ourselves to go it alone. And it is not white supremacy. It is not misogyny. It is not Islamophobia, transphobia, homophobia, anti-Semitism or hatred of the Constitution. These are all part of the mothership of fundamentalist Christian nationalism. And if you touch it too much, you get 1938 with War of the Worlds with Orson Welles on the radio, having people jumping out of buildings because they thought it was real. Yeah, that people can't, you know, that whole concept from, of, of um, you know, in the movie with Tom Cruise and Jack, what's his name? You can't, you know, you can't handle the crew, a, a few good men. You can't handle the truth. So the bottom line, I wrote, I wrote something about this in, uh, on the Daily Coast and it was hit number one trending. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying uh, people heard it and saw what was there. And so we're not talking about, we're talking about, MRFF is, a, is not against Christianity. We're against Christian nationalism. And when you find Christian nationalism, Paul, among this, uh, the, uh, lo your local community, sewage workers, cops, firefighters, um, public schools, or legislatures, that's bad enough. But where you find it where all the bazookas, atomic weapons, conventional weapons, laser-guided weapons are, it's out of control. And that is what has happened here. It has been going on for a long time. Fundamentalist Christian nationalist, parachurch, military, corporate, congressional, proselytizing complex. Um, uh, it is not uncommon uh, that if you if you say no to a superior who says you're going to accept my version of Jesus, um, to you know, and we have seen unbelievable amounts of degradation, humiliation, and we've had people lose their lives. For for give a couple of examples. We don't need names, but. I've got one right now where I have an Air Force Academy graduate uh, who was kicked out of the military um, uh, with less than 12 months in his, uh, in his career. Wasn't even told he was terminated, but during the, he was Jewish. During the time he was in, he was assigned to be in charge of the unit Christmas party. To begin with, you can't have Christmas parties. You know, that by itself destroys good order, morale, discipline, and unit cohesion. And the Air Force, we were, I testified before the House Armed Services Committee 
we were able to get and we were able to get through with the help of certain people at the in the Air Force a regulation that says you can't elevate your own faith over someone else. I mean, this this is in the Constitution with tons of construing federal case law, and we can go right out to the directives, instructions, and regulations of the Pentagon. But imagine being told that you're going to be the person in charge of the Christmas party. Imagine being a Native American spiritualist and having a fundamentalist Christian proselytize you until and, and you finally say no, and you're told to dress up at the unit Thanksgiving party. You'll be the Indians. Indians, not Native Americans. Um, we've had, I believe it's now up to 14 of our clients commit suicide. We had a young cadet at the Air Force Academy who was gay who hung himself. Um, uh, my children were, again, at the Air Force Academy, we're told again, that, you, know, you killed Jesus Christ. Uh, when I was at the Academy in 1973, I received notes under the door of my, of my dorm room with swastikas on them. Uh, I got beaten senseless twice within a week, and they never found out who did it. Uh, I have a lot of guilt because 30 years later, um, you know, this was visited upon my own children. But it's not, a, a, our normal client is a Protestant. We have 21 different varieties of Baptists alone who are our clients. But here's the big thing. We have admirals, Paul, and generals. Are you familiar with what an SES level person is in the, in the uh, that's no. senior executive service? That's a civilian that's at the level of a general or admiral. These are clients of ours who are afraid to do their jobs for fear that they will turn into what we call, Paul, a tarantula on a wedding cake. Now, you and I have probably been to lots of weddings. How long do you think the half-life is of a tarantula on a beautiful wedding cake? Not very long. So they come to us. It's not uncommon to get a call, Mikey, in my command, this is happening. This You got to know this is happening. That's happening. Can you guys go get this for us? So that they don't face the blame, but they reach out. There are clients. We will never give their name. I, I'd like to sit there and say, Admiral, General, or, or you know, our senior executive service, blah, 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 blah. We're not, we're not a line item in the DOD budget. Do your job, but I understand that they fear reprisal, revenge, retaliation. Okay, so let me let me make a, a point and then ask a question. Uh, I first of all, I just want to say for the record, uh, we and I'm sure you understand that not all evangelicals are white or Christian nationalists. Uh, apparently as much as 20% of evangelicals voted for Obama and maybe even the same percentage more or less voted for Biden. And even in the 80% that might have voted for Trump, they're not all that kind of militant nationalist either. But that being said, there's certainly a, a very significant section of the 80% that voted for Trump that see Trump as a vehicle for Christian nationalism, even, you know, people sometimes ask, well, Trump is clearly, there's not much Christ, something Christian about Trump and nobody really cares because he's an ordained vehicle for the mission. Now, when that, that but that then takes this political uh, character, in, in this case, supporting Trump previously, I think it's had, it was it began really with support for Reagan, but a much bigger shape than I Trump. Was there for that, so. Yeah. And uh, so in the military, in the context of the events of January 6th and the, uh, you know, a, a real serious belief that the election was stolen and all of this, how high up in the military does this whole thing full-fledged go? And how close do you think it came for a, a real split in the military that where sections might have intervened on, on Trump's behalf? I've lost count of the number of times that clients come to us because their commanders were directing the subordinates to vote for Trump. And that whether they like Trump or not, they, they use the example of King Cyrus out of the Bible, who may have not have been a pious individual, 
but it was it was determined by the religion the, the those that were religiously inclined at the point that he was a vehicle for the supreme being. It's terrifying. I wanted to address your point about evangelicals. My first book, which came out of St. Martin's Press in New York in 06, was called um, With God on Our Side, One Man's Fight Against an Evangelical Coup in America's Military. I made a mistake. I wish you could take it back. The evangelicals are our friends. We have many of them on staff. They donate to us. They come to us in droves as clients. There's a difference between an evangelical and a fundamentalist Christian. To begin with, with Christianity, if I can go through a very quick, quick tutorial, have great commandment Christians, those that follow the great commandment that Jesus supposedly talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, which is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and heart, and the golden rule, which predates even uh, the uh, the Pentateuch or the uh, the Torah, uh, the Old Testament, which is from the, the, the Code of Hammurabi, treat others the way you want to be treated, the golden rule. Basically, it's just treat people the way you want to be treated and love God. That's the great commandment. We call them great commandment Christians. Those that don't follow that is their prime directive, to use the Star Trek analogy. Uh, their prime directive is the Great Commission, which I talked about, uh, Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, those are both, the, everyone out there who does that is an evangelical. But there's a difference. Evangelicals say, yes, I must do that. However, I must follow the time, place, and manner constrictions in America uh, pursuant to our U.S. Constitution, it's construing federal case law, and as I mentioned a few minutes ago, all of the DIR, Paul, the directives, instructions, and regulations of the Pentagon. It's like driving a car. I will not drive drunk or if I'm stoned. Fundamentalist Christian nationalists go like this to that. No, I'm free range. There is nothing about the U.S. Constitution. It's construing federal case law or the Pentagon regulatory structure that can, that can constrain me with regard to getting people into the Christian kingdom in accordance with the, const uh, the constraints or parameters or protocols of time, place, and manner. We fight fundamentalist Christian or dominionist nationalists. None of them are good. They're breaking the highest law of the land. Uh, a large, but if you're, if you're an evangelical, all fundamentalist Christian nationalists are evangelicals, but not vice versa. Many evangelicals are huge supporters of ours. They donate to us, like I mentioned. They're clients, they're on staff. As I said before, even though they probably think that Paul Jay and Mikey Weinstein are going to burn eternally in hell, that's their right. But they'll fall on the sword. These are good people. They, they, they are wonderful, good people. I, I have goosebumps now because they're some of the best people that I know. I don't agree with their views. I also don't like cheese and butter. I have a reason for that. Everybody else in my family does. That doesn't mean they're bad people. Everybody has a particular food. My wife doesn't like black eyed peas. We can go on and on. However, this isn't a question that is culinary. It's constitutional. With regard to how high it goes, look me straight in the eyes. It goes as high as you can possibly imagine. Even with Obama, Obama, uh, I, I don't mean to knock him. I think he was a wonderful, great president, but he promised when he campaigned he was going to get rid of the Office of Faith-Based Initiatives in the White House. He didn't do that. When, when you tell someone in the military that they lack integrity, character, honor, honorability, intelligence, and courage because of their particular religious faith or lack thereof, why there is no difference between, between doing that, Paul, and telling someone they're stupid because of the color of their skin or because they were born without a penis and they're female. It's exactly the same thing. It is, um, uh, we view it as spiritual rape. And when you're in the military, like I said, it's not a nine to five job where you go, you go into Acme Corporation or IBM or Home Depot or you work at McDonald's. It's a very different situation. So I can tell you without giving names or whatever that this goes uh, to the highest levels of the United States Army both military and civilian, the Marine Corps, which is part of the Navy, the Navy, the space, 
the, uh, the, the Space Force, which is part of the Air Force, the Air Force, um, the, you know, it, it goes everywhere. Do you do you, do you have any sense that at those levels there was a serious motion or attempt to be part of this Trump coup? I told people all along, it, 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 you, it, the distraction of the three percenters, the Oath Keepers, and the Proud Boys. These are these are uh, you know are, are hooligan idiots. But when you look at a four star general, come on, Flynn was what three stars? He has a brother that I think just got just got promoted to four stars. This man ran uh, one of the our seventeen national security agencies. Uh, we have hundreds of clients in the national security agencies. I've had them reach out to me saying, "Don't stop what you're doing." When Pompeo was CIA head, we had CIA people come to us saying, help us, help us. That was involved. Here's what he's doing. Here's what he's saying regarding Jesus. That got into his confirmation hearing. We can send you a clip on that. When he was asked by I forget, a female senator about what Mikey Weinstein and MRFF said about, about the, and he pled, well, I don't know, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Pompeo, the, the, the worst of the um, uh, fundamentalist Christian parachurch organizations out there, very few people have heard of. It's called C Street, as in Washington, D.C., a.k.a. The Family, AKA the fellowship, uh, Pompeo, uh, Betsy DeVos, uh, certainly uh, Mike Pence and many others were involved. Isn't, isn't the, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I shouldn't, but the new Supreme court judge, the fe- woman, isn't she part of that? Uh, we don't know whether she's in there or not. I forget her name as well uh, too. I, I'm, it's, we'll have to remember it, but, but she, um, she certainly is from that absolute bent of uh, trying to create, and, and we call it quiverful, trying to get as, uh, generate as many children as possible in a marriage to create Christian soldiers for Christ. Uh, Sarah Palin was absolutely part of it. There's also something, she was particularly part of something called NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, or the Seven Mountains Theology. These are all things that are beyond the scope of this particular interview today. I'm telling you that it's been out there and it is enormous. This is not a small thing. But, but as I said, people don't want to even, even uh, we, I've talked to many, many, many journalists. I did a multi-hour interview in, in Manhattan with Dan Rather a number of years ago. He was fabulous, by the way. He wanted to get into it. And he was working for um, um, uh, Mark Cuban at the time. He had a, a network, you know, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I really had a lot of respect for Dan. We did this interview for hours that day and it aired, but it was, you know, he since left CBS. The mainstream media is afraid of this. I've spoken to journalists at Fox that were told, don't, don't interview me. Don't let this come out. I got into a big fight with Bill O'Reilly uh, a couple of times. And finally, finally agreed to do his show once. It went, okay, second time it blew up. He cut my mic, was denigrating me. I was throwing it right back at him. When I got off set, the first phone calls that came through on my phone were not in English, Paul. They were simply gunfire, just gunfire. Boom, 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 boom. So what I'm saying is it goes up and down the chain of command. Uh, when I saw what was unfolding on January 6th, I had heard things were going to happen. It was almost beyond my comprehension because even Pence was saying he had no power. You know, he, had, he was just there kind of as a traffic cop to make sure they counted the electoral votes. And when it started, I'm going, oh, my God, here we go. And it's what we've talked about forever. We've had people uh, on, on the Christian right say, well, Mikey Weinstein and his organization, besides being uh, much like Saul of Tarsus, persecuting Christians until Christ met them on the road to Damascus with that white light, he'll have, Mikey will have his time into, or, or we'll just have to kill him because we get threats around the clock here that are amazing. Um, we have people praying for the, the women in my family to develop fast-moving, uh, undetectable breast cancer. Uh, I can go on and on. Okay, there, there's another there's another piece to this which I I talked to Joe Wilson about, uh, and and he he agreed with what I was saying and took it another step, which is it's not just the uh, Christian nationalists in the form of this this form of evangelicalism, but it's also the far right of the Catholic Church and Opus Dei. Um, Steve Bannon is very connected to Opus Dei. I don't know if he's a member or not. 
but he coordinates with them, Cardinal Burke. And, 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 just, and Wilson was saying that at the very highest level in Washington, including members of the Supreme Court and others in Congress, uh, Opus Dei also plays this, a similar kind of role with a similar kind of vision. Yes, no, we know that um, every religion, including uh, extreme Orthodox Judaism, has its, uh, its, its, you know, its fringe elements. But fringe elements are there for a reason. They can pull triggers, they can stab with knives, they can hit with hammers, and they can blow things up. And uh, I, I, when you realize, when, when you are incapable of uh, keeping an open mind, and in this country, we are completely fractured. I mean, we have people that get their news from Breitbart, Fox News, One American News Now, Newsmax, and it's all going to be one flavor. That's it. And then uh, other people, that, uh, people on the other side will say that, well, you, you're just as bad with MSNBC or CNN or the analysis. You know, No, it's not true. One has facts. And, and I personally live, look, I'm a public figure. So are you. Um, and if you're a professional athlete or a professional entertainer, being a public figure can be cool. If, however, you do what I do or what you do, it can be lonely, dangerous, brutal, and expensive. As I mentioned before, my daughter-in-law, who is an Air Force Academy graduate and a college professor in Ohio, uh, the mother of our three grandchildren, said, you know, uh, Dad, the way I tell people about you is that if you love animals, dogs and cats, um, uh, you know, every town has a, a humane society where they, they're wonderful. Everyone loves the humane society. They do bake sales and cookie sales, and they help, they help the dogs and cats. They're wonderful. If, however... You are very, very serious about animal rights. You're going to be with PETA. We're PETA at MRFF in fighting for the separation of church and state in the military. Uh, the military, if they're Superman, Superman only has one weakness, which is uh, kryptonite. Our military's weakness is fear of being dragged into federal court and even worse, fear of bad press. We're in the media with them somewhere every day. So when someone gets a call from us, most of our clients don't ever want, them, want their, their name or their numbers to see the light of day. And it takes a tremendous amount of trust, uh, whether it's a general or admirals we talked about a few minutes ago on your show, or a, a very low-ranking, you know, young officer or enlisted person saying, "I need help about this." And how much do you know about the relationship between this Christian nationalism or Opus Dei, this far-right Catholics, and sections of the billionaire class who? either believe in it themselves or use them. And I, in my, I have in mind, like Mike Pompeo is a creation of the Koch brothers. Uh, Trump to a large, the Trump presidency was given to him by Robert Mercer, another, uh, 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 you know. A Look at Eric Prince, right? Perfect example. His sister, Betsy DeVos, Eric Prince was behind Blackwater. He is still a huge, there's a huge movement in this, in this country to take control of the school boards, uh, to get into the minds of children, but most importantly is the utility of, uh, we're, 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 right now we've exposed a uh, young 26-year-old congressional candidate who's an army reserve officer claiming that he's a chaplain. He's not. He's a chaplain candidate. We had senior people in the Pentagon that came to us about that. He has denigrated and inferred that Joe Biden is a pedophile. Um, we filed the official complaint uh, with the highest levels of the Pentagon on May 27th. So we are, uh, by the time this airs, it's two months ago. And they still haven't decided what to do to a lieutenant, a second lieutenant. If, if Lloyd Austin, who says he wants to be the lodestar for racial and religious diversity in the military, he's a, you know, he's a direct report into the president of the United States. If you can't handle a 26-year-old second lieutenant who is violating all of the DOD regs that we pointed out with regard to lying about his status as a reserve officer, as being a uh, uh, big, and he's not making it clear he's in the reserves, telling people he's a chaplain when he's not, 
When you're a law student, you're not a you know you're not a a lawyer. When you're a medical student or a dental student, you're not a doctor or a dentist. When you're an apprentice uh, on the Paul J show, you're not Paul J. Uh, and so, if you can't take care of someone like that, what can you take care of? Because what's happening is much 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 worse at the highest levels. The concept is you know, uh, you know we know that from our perspective, Trump is a mentally ill four year old entitled cowardly um, fool, but he's a, uh, uh, you know, he's kind of like a sock puppet for the maniacs, the Christian man- uh, nationalist maniacs. Yeah, I, I, I call them, I call them a buffoon tip of a fascist spear. Oh, that's an excellent visual right there. And most people don't even understand what fascism is, but the concept of an autocracy um, moving forward uh, to push their own agenda. But the agenda here is one to figure, the, the actual agenda is to do whatever we can was Christian nationalists want. They do not want our democracy or a democratic republic. They want a theocracy based on the rules of Leviticus, and they want to do whatever they can to serve as an accelerant and lubricant to bring their version of fundamentalist Christian Jesus back here. And they're promised among some of them a 200 mile long river. Get this visual. Four and a half feet deep, filled with nothing but the human blood of those that their version of warrior Jesus has slaughtered at the Battle of Armageddon. A lot of that's going to be Jewish blood. A lot of it's going to be, but that's a very large amount of dead people. And of course, their view is that Jesus needs us. I mean, uh, Jerry Boykin, you know, the Black Hawk Down general, who's the number two person at the Family Research Council under Tony Perkins, has made it clear that when Jesus comes back, he'll be on a white horse carrying an AR-15. Now, you know, Hitler, to a large extent, was the creation of big German industrialists who at a very critical moment of the rise of the Nazi party f- gave it money to survive when it was ver- on the verge of bankruptcy. In fact, uh, you know, the National Socialists would never have come to power uh, without... W- How much is this uh, Christian nationalist, Opus Dei, but especially Christian nationalist, evangelical type, how much is that as a vehicle that's been created, nurtured, financed by the mil- military-industrial complex? Look, uh, it's been... Um well, what we, what we call military industrial, but we'll go back to the parachurch organizations, like I mentioned, um, um, uh, fun, uh, parachurch, corporate. Um, we see this type of Christian nationalism with Boeing, with Northrop Grumman. We see it, um, um, you know, at every place. This is the number of my classmates from the Air Force Academy that went directly to go work at for defense contracting. And I know the, the, one, the ones who, that I'm talking about that are Christian nationalists. They may not even know what that term means. But their view is, is that the Constitution is ugly. It's just man-made. Man is flawed and born with original sin. You see that baby there? Already a sinner. As opposed to this Christine version of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is not open to any sort of uh, interpretation. It just says what it says. Right? And I, you know, I mean, I've had to become a biblical scholar when I go through this. Um, I don't begrudge anyone their beliefs. But again, time, place, and manner. You cannot scream fire in a crowded theater, Paul Jay. Nor can you scream, you will accept my version of Jesus, you know, in, uh, during duty hours in uniform, whether you're on a submarine or an aircraft carrier, in your military office building, in a tank, uh, half track or whatever, to a subordinate that cannot fight back. You can't do that. Now, when we fight and when we roll in, we roll in hard and we scare them because it's and oftentimes it's like a weed whacker. We knock the bad guys back for a few weeks, but the weeds come back again. Um, but we're not, we're not talking about just mere chaplains. Chaplains like J- JAGs, like I was, judge advocates, are mere staff officers. I'm talking about commanders, people that are line officers, not the doctors, lawyers, vets, and um, and chaplains. So what's what's 
what do they envision? What's the America they want? What what does that government look like? In the Handmaid's Tale, Gilead. They want Gilead. They want a fundamentalist Christian nationalist country, not ruled by democracy. Not uh, they, they they hate democracy, but they want it ruled by their version of uh, of whatever is going to support and fortify and buttress their version of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem with that is, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is very digital. You know, it's, uh, it's you know, I'm going to love you unconditionally, but there are a few conditions from their perspective. You know, it, you either accept, you know, you bow your knee and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and in which you can be part of our body, or not. And if you don't do it, 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's um, verse six, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 14, makes it clear that you should not become, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, don't try too long to convert someone else because they're the bad guys. What do they have in common with us? They're darkness and we're light. We're right and they're wrong. I just want to add here, my understanding of the rise of the Christian movement is that it has very little to do with any of that kind of stuff that's in the Bible. The early Christians, my understanding, was a very non-sectarian revolutionary movement against the Roman Empire. It has like next to nothing to do with this kind of... Uh... There's a documentary that's out called Constantine's Sword based on the 2000 or 2001 bestseller by my friend James Keller, uh, um, um, at the, um, uh, I'm sure, God, what's his last name now? My good friend, whose name I can't remember, at the Boston Globe. Uh, and this was a documentary uh, with the Oscar nominated director, Oren Jacoby, called Constantine's Sword. And it was about, in, you know, in the fourth century when Constantine and his mother, Helen, who became a big adherent of Christ, decided to weaponize Christianity by making it the Roman faith. Prior to that, this was not, and, you know, and this is, we don't even, look, we have enough trouble even proving that Shakespeare ever existed. We don't know what happened back then. We, we have a lot of facts that show that there was someone, there was a slave rebellion 70 years before the um, uh, Jesus was supposed to have been born, by, led by a guy named Spartacus. We know his top general was Crixus, but there's a tremendous uh, amount of problem to trying to determine historically what is or was, what isn't, you know, what are the powers that Jesus has or he doesn't. That's why Constantine, you know, got everybody together and said, we're going to come up with a book. We're going to decide exactly what this individual, who he was, et cetera, et cetera. And they wouldn't, for instance, they, they, they decide what was going to be in the New Testament. Yeah, well, by that by that time, Christianity wasn't a revolutionary ideology. It was the ideology of the aristocracy. Yes, absolutely so. And so we don't exactly know. And uh, some of my dearest friends that are devout Christians and are wonderful people, that their private beliefs are fine. They would never, ever try to use their position to force it on someone who can't fight back. It's the, the second category, those that, said, that said that you can't tell me that I can't drive drunk or stoned or whatever. I can push the gospel whenever I want to. I don't care what your constitution says. Well, let's go back to let's go back to these moments before January six, where Joint Chiefs of Staff, Staff Chair and others, you know, as I said, former Secretaries of Defense and so on and so on, uh, they really think something serious is going on here. Um, is is that? what they were hoping to do with Trump. And I have to say, they failed. I think it was, a you know, to, for Trump to think that this was going to work was kind of nuts. Uh, the, I think all the very senior leadership uh, were against it. Uh, although I take your point that there's levels of senior leadership that are, that are part of this camp. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken it seriously. I want to take it sidebar because you raise a very important point as a journalist just now. At, in the Trump Pentagon, those career-level military people and civil, civil servants were incredibly supportive of us. But they told us we cannot get, go to the political level 
uh, the Schedule C. I was a political appointee in the Reagan White House after I left uh, my position as, as an Air Force uh, judge advocate. That they, if they, there was a huge Nile River, miles long, between the highest level career people and the political people. We all know that in early November, right, Trump fired everybody at the Pentagon and brought in what's his name to be um, to be the new defense secretary. Yeah, Miller. Yeah, and that terrified people when Miller came in. And so you had the political people there uh, that looked down on the career civil servants or career military people because, you know, they're going to stay there no matter what. And so uh, you raise a very good point here when you said about we were getting information uh, around the clock that they were not going to take this sitting down. No one could have envisioned, I don't think, what was going to happen on January 6th. Now, of course, as we're, we're finding out more and more and more where General Milley was, a lot of us feel that his response was too tepid. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a movie that came out, maybe you're old enough to remember, called Seven Days in May, back during the Cold War. You remember that one with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas? I'm, 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 I'm more than old enough. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was an amazing movie. There were some other great Cold War movies, um, um, On the Beach with Fred Astaire. And of course, uh, Dr. Strangelove. But uh, Seven Days in May was about a, an America, a, a coup uh, with the highest levels of the, of the American. I, th- I think On the Beach was Gregory Peck, I think. But go on. Unless Fred Astaire was in it too, it's possible. But it was. Astaire uh, commits suicide in his favorite car down in Australia. We'll have to check that. We can check that real quickly. But I think Peck was the, uh, was the submarine commander, maybe. Yeah, he was a submarine commander. That's right. I, I thought Astaire was in that as well. I'd have to check. But but if he is, I think he commits suicide in the movie because there's been a nuclear war and it's all the fallouts coming down. But Seven Day in May is the closest where you actually have an attempt at a military coup against a kind of centrist president. We actually now have a screenwriter who's we're trying to push a movie based on us and what we're doing this whole concept. And even that is terrifying people. Even now with Biden and the concept of, okay, you know, the, uh, how do we present something like this? Uh, this is the reason why you, you know, I mean, I remember briefing um, here in New Mexico, thanks to Joe Wilson and Valerie Plain, uh, got me into brief a, a, a bunch of very progressive billionaires years ago about what we were about. And I remember getting a, a hand coming up at the end where someone said to me, well, why do we even have to have a military in this country? And that's when I realized, okay, forget it. I can't. I, I walked out, and someone came running after me and said, "Hey, we want to give you twenty five hundred bucks anyway." So it's what I'm saying is, is that um, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, Green, Independent, have a PhD or you know, or, or GED or not even that. We're talking about humanity here. It isn't a question of a point of view or I have a different view. I've lost lots of friend and family members over this. All of us have. I'm sure you know every family has been torn by this. Um, it's not, well, why can't you just respect my opinion? It's more than that. This is life. When you attack someone because of the way they're born or raised um, and try to deny them um, uh, to be cooled when it's hot out, to be heated when it's cold, food, uh, opportunity, advancement based on their sexual orientation um, or their gender or their religious faith, um, this, this, this is the stuff that we've seen this train leave the station before in our species many times. And it's a headshot, Paul. It's a killer, what we're talking about on the show today. And I'm here to tell people that the United States military is massively infiltrated with this. I, when I go and speak around the country pre-COVID or Zoom now, I'll always have someone say, well, you know, I've been in for 16 years in the Marine Corps, or I was in for 20 years in the Air Force. I never saw this. I go, great. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Omaha. Oh, I'm from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I'm from Knoxville. That, have you ever seen a rape or murder in Los Angeles or, you know, Omaha or Knoxville? Go, no. Well, do they have them there? Yeah. Well, how can they have them if you haven't ever seen it? 
And moreover, it goes back to the concept of straight white male Christian privilege. Fish in an aquarium, Paul, fish in the ocean, never see the water. They don't see the water. You know, and it, 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 uh, my own daughter uh, was, you know, when they had the sexual assault scandal back in 2003 at the Air Force Academy, they had a sign up for, for decades at the Academy. It said, bring me men from a very famous point right below the parade ramp. Bring me men to match my mountains. Bring me men to match my planes. And uh, my daughter-in-law, who's a PhD herself and an Air Force Academy graduate, said that made me understand how it felt for her to see that up there. Or if you're a white person, a, a person of color and you see Confederate generals up in various different places, it's the ability to try to feel for someone else. I'm not talking about being woke. I'm I don't care what you call it. But uh, but it's, it's as I said before, it's bad enough when you find this type of, of supremacy and white supremacy is part and parcel of fundamentalist Christian nationalism, irrespective of whether you're white yourself. It is there. Uh, white people, you know, are and uh, you know when Jackie Robinson broke the Major League Baseball color barrier in 19 was it 47? Um, that was not white baseball player victimization. It was white baseball player equalization. With the feminist movement of the 1970s, that wasn't male victimization. It was male equalization. And with the civil rights movement in the 60s, it wasn't white person victimization. So, so, so just we just have a few minutes left. So. What do you think is happening now? I mean, Trump is still very much and seems in control of the Republican Party. Uh, and meaning Trump is also still the vehicle for the forces you're talking about and seem to be mostly in control of the Republican Party. In many, many states, the Democrats are afraid to take these this force on and don't even want to talk about it. Uh, how, what do you, how do you see this going forward in 2022, 2024? Both, you know, especially, you know, with the focus on how this affects what was going on in the military. I mean, are there are there two real factions at war in the military? People often ask, Mikey, what is it that you want? Um, we want people that violate their oath to the Constitution, which includes the separation of church and state, to be court-martialed vigorously and publicly, visibly, and sent to jail behind bars. Because it's amazing it's amazing when someone gets disciplined, they see what happens. Wow. And in reverse, if Bill Cosby gets released, you know, look, well, look what happens to the whole concept of the Me Too movement. Um, uh, the concern is, is that it's no good to have, uh, have a speed limit of 75 miles an hour on your freeway if you routinely turn the other way when people are going 125 miles an hour. And so we have to be able to stop this. Democrats, I've seen, do not seem willing to fight and get down and dirty with the way the, Republican, the Republicans, and they're horrible, so many of them are. Uh, I have a son who's a, who's a legislator, a member of a state uh, legislator. He's a state legislator, and um, he's a Democrat, but uh, it is, and he, he tries to work with both sides, but the grip that Trump has, and it's not, I don't wanna give him any credit, it's not the, as though he's intelligent, he just, he shoots off a particular frequency that you, you've seen it on the internet, that basically allows people to practice their worst moments and their worst behavior, and to continue doing that. And that's what they, and they, he, he's made that okay to do among those people. There's no middle ground here, trying to, to, to convince someone, when someone tells you today's Tuesday and you give them 100,000 reasons why it's actually Friday, it's not gonna work. There's actually studies that show that when you give incontrovertible evidence to those that hold a view contrary to the evidence, it actually just fortifies their bad views. So the bottom line here is that we're going to have to fight to keep this democracy. We're going to have to stand up and fight and fight hard. And we're going to have to use the laws that are out there. They're there to punish people. If you can't punish a 26-year-old you know, lieutenant, uh, first lieutenant, 
who says he's a chaplain when he's not and and infers that the president of the United States, Joe Biden, is uh, a pedophile and that he's not rightfully president. What what can, what's left? I mentioned at the early part of this great interview with you today. Great from your perspective. I hope I'm doing all right. Uh, that uh, good good order, morale, discipline, and cohesion. Those are the constituent aspects of the the veins, the arteries, the musculature, the skeleton, and the skin of the body corporate of the military, our U.S. military. If those are torn asunder uh, by elevating white, straight, Christian male people over anyone else, irrespective of whether or not the people that adhere to that might themselves not be white, straight, Christian, or male, then, as I said before, it's not Houston we have a problem. It, it is This is a national security threat internally to our country, every bit as much, if not more, than a resurgent Taliban, al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, Boko Haram, the Mujahideen, uh, you know, you, you, call, you name it. So, so just finally, uh, Biden's Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, do you see that he's, a, he, I mean, he must be aware of what we're talking about. Is he doing anything about it? Um, he is a, a former four-star general. I have enormous respect for him. Um, but so far in the myriad of cases we have, and every time something, we put a press release out, I, we have the email addresses of his staff, his most senior people, they see everything. We're not, you know, and we're, we're you know, we're not, and as I said before, he said, I am going to be the lodestar, his word, not mine, uh, for religious and racial diversity in this, in, 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 at DOD. We're not seeing it. And we're kind of like the, uh, the uh, you know, the uh, um, miner's canary. Uh, and we don't really see this yet. Uh, some of the, I mean, the concept of Bibles on POW MIA tables, to the, some of them bolted down. Uh, we're currently suing the Veterans Administration for that. Um, uh, the concept of... Uh, I can go on and on of um, uh, pushing, uh, of having a, a Christian chaplain uh, on Easter, on Easter time, on a DOD website, the, I think it was the Department of the Army website, state, you Jews killed Jesus, and now we want you to say you're sorry. I can't make this crap up, Paul, you know, but but it's like the 13th stroke theory, which we, we uh, litigators talk about that. It's like the 13th stroke of a crazy clock, Paul, that cast doubt not only upon that hour, but all that precede it. If these are the things, and I can't even go to some of the other horrible things that are happening right now because we don't have permission from the clients. But if you go to our website, militaryreligiousfreedom.org, you will see it all. My wife has written two books with our the assistance of our publisher in Los Angeles just from the hate mail we get. And both of them have gone to number one on Amazon in multiple categories uh, because I think it's like seeing a NASCAR race. People want to see things blow up. You can't believe the amount of hideous threats that we get against my family, my kids, my grandkids, my parents, our staff. Um, uh, we have to work with the U.S. Secret Service. Uh, we recently had a threat that came in against uh, the vice president and president from someone that was, uh, was talking about shooting me. Uh, I mean, we go around the clock. We have our own professional security. We have uh, uh, highly expensive, well-trained attack dogs. We have a lot of guns and cameras. We have, you know, And we work very closely with our local SWAT uh, and uh, the other law enforcement organizations, FBI, U.S. Secret Service. Uh, you know, we're not going to be deterred doing this, but it's not easy to do it. And that's why today being on with a, an august journalist such as yourself. I don't, I don't know about august, but anyway. Cool. That's my favorite, one of my favorite months. I, and you certainly, I'm, bo I'm born in August. I'll take it. That. That's probably what you meant. Go on. <laughs> all three of my kids are born in August. So uh, um, it, this is a way we can get out and try to get people to understand. But you have got to be able to keep an open mind. But if the push behind this is, okay, we're, we want to pull the curtain on this world and get Jesus to destroy it and bring it back. And we're going to use anything we can do, anything that's around to make it happen. Well, that's what we're fighting against. And um, that's a tough fight. 
and most of our staff, over 80% of our, uh, of our staff here, of well over 630 people are Christians. Half my family is Christian, and 95% of our clients are Christians that have realized uh, we're not that type of Christian there. We're not a Christian nationalist. So yes, we do fight. We don't, we don't uh, combat Christianity. We combat Christian nationalism. All right, thanks very much. Well, th thanks very much. We'll do this again. We'll get into some other parts of the story. But thanks for now, uh, Mikey, and thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. Please don't forget the donate button, subscribe, and all this, because without your financial support, uh, we can't do this. Mm -hmm.